Chapter Thirty of the Hand of Fu Manchu. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Hand of Fu Manchu by Sax Romer. Chapter Thirty. Medusa. Legal business connected with the estate of a distant relative, deceased, necessitated my sudden departure from London within twenty-four hours of the events just narrated, and at a time when London was for me the centre of the universe. The business being terminated, in a manner financially satisfactory to myself, I discovered that with luck I could just catch the fast train back. Amid a perfect whirl of hotel porters and taxi-drivers worthy of Nayland Smith, I departed for the station, to arrive at the entrance to the platform at the exact moment when the guard raised his green flag. "'Too light, sir. Stand back, if you please.' The ticket-collector at the barrier thrust out his arm to stay me. The London Express was moving from the platform but my determination to travel by that train and no other overrode all obstacles. If I missed it, I should be forced to wait until the following morning. I leapt past the barrier, completely taking the man by surprise, and went racing up the platform. Many arms were outstretched to detain me, and the grey-bearded guard stood fully in my path, but I dodged them all, collided with and upset a gigantic negro who wore a chauffeur's uniform, and found myself level with a first-class compartment. The window was open." Amid a chorus of excited voices, I tossed my bag in at the window, leapt up the footboard, and turned the handle. Although the entrance to the tunnel was perilously near now, I managed to wrench the door open and to swing myself into the carriage. Then, by means of the strap, I reclosed the door in the nick of time and sank, panting, upon the seat. I had a vague impression that the black chauffeur, having recovered himself, had raced after me to the uttermost point of the platform. But, my end achieved, I was callously indifferent to the outrageous means thereto which I had seen fit to employ. The express dashed into the tunnel. I uttered a great sigh of relief. With Karamina in the hands of the sea-fan, this journey to the north had indeed been undertaken with the utmost reluctance. Nayland Smith had written to me once during my brief absence, and his letter had inspired a yet keener desire to be back and at the grips with the yellow group, for he had hinted broadly that a tangible clue to the whereabouts of the sea-fan headquarters had at last been secured. Now I learnt that I had a travelling companion, a woman— she was seated in the further, opposite corner, wore a long, loose motor-coat, which could not altogether conceal the fine lines of her lithe figure, and a thick veil hid her face. A motive for the excited behaviour of the negro chauffeur suggested itself to my mind. A label, Engaged, was pasted on the window. I glanced across the compartment. Through the closely woven veil, the woman was watching me. An apology clearly was called for. "'Madam,' I said, I hope you will forgive this unfortunate intrusion, but it was vitally important that I should not miss the London train. She bowed very slightly, very coldly, and turned her head aside. The rebuff was as unmistakable as my offence was irredeemable. Nor did I feel justified in resenting it. Therefore, endeavouring to dismiss the matter from my mind, I placed my bag upon the rack, and, unfolding the newspaper with which I was provided, tried to interest myself in the doings of the world at large. My attempt proved not altogether successful. Strive how I would, my thoughts persistently reverted to the sea-fan, the evil secret society who held in their power one dearer to me than all the rest of the world, to Dr. Fu Manchu, the genius who darkly controlled my destiny, and to Nayland Smith, the barrier between the white races and the devouring tide of the yellow. Sighing again involuntarily, I glanced up to meet the gaze of a pair of wonderful eyes. Never, in my experience, had I seen their like. The dark eyes of Karamina were wonderful and beautiful, the eyes of Dr. Fu Manchu sinister and wholly unforgettable. 
but the eyes of this woman were incredible their glance was all but insupportable they were the eyes of a medusa since i had met in the not distant past the soft gaze of kai ming the mandarin whose phenomenal hypnotic powers rendered him capable of transcending the achievements of the celebrated cagliostro i knew much of the power of the human eye but these were unlike any human eyes i had ever known long almond-shaped bordered by heavy jet-black lashes arched over by finely pencilled brows their strange brilliancy as of a fire within was utterly uncanny they were the eyes of some beautiful wild creature rather than those of a woman their possessor had now thrown back her motor veil revealing a face orientally dark and perfectly oval with a clustering mass of dull gold hair small aquiline nose and full red lips her weird eyes met mine for an instant and then the long lashes drooped quickly as she leant back against the cushions with a graceful languor suggestive of the east rather than of the west her long coat had fallen partly open and i saw with surprise that it was lined with leopard skin one hand was ungloved and lay on the armrest a slim hand of the hue of old ivory with a strange ancient ring upon the index finger this woman obviously was not a european and i experienced great difficulty in determining with what asiatic nation she could claim kinship in point of fact i had never seen another who remotely resembled her she was a fit employer for the gigantic negro with whom i had collided on the platform i tried to laugh at myself staring from the window at the moon-bathed landscape but the strange personality of my solitary companion would not be denied and i looked quickly in her direction in time to detect her glancing away in time to experience the uncanny fascination of her gaze the long slim hand attracted my attention again and the green stone in the ring affording a startling contrast against the dull cream of the skin whether the woman's personality or a vague perfume of which i became aware were responsible i found myself thinking of a flower-bedecked shrine wherefrom arose the smoke of incense to some pagan god in vain i told myself that my frame of mind was contemptible and i should be ashamed of such weakness station after station was left behind as the express sped through moonlit england towards the smoky metropolis assured that i was being furtively watched i became more and more uneasy it was with a distinct sense of effort that i withheld my gaze forcing myself to look out of the window when having reasoned against the mad ideas that sought to obsess me i glanced again across the compartment i perceived with inexpressible relief that my companion had lowered her veil she kept it lowered throughout the remainder of the journey yet during the hour that ensued i continued to experience sensations of which i had never since been able to think without a thrill of fear it seemed that i had thrust myself not into a commonplace railway compartment but into a cumaean cavern if only i could have addressed this utterly mysterious stranger have uttered some word of commonplace i felt that the spell might have been broken but for some occult reason in no way associated with my first rebuff i found myself tongue-tied i sustained for an hour the longest i had ever known a silent watch and ward over my reason i seemed to be repelling fighting against some subtle power that sought to flood my brain swamp my individuality and enslave me to another's will in what degree this was actual and in what due to a mind overwrought from endless conflict with the yellow group i know not to this day 
but you who read these records of our giant struggle with fu manchu and his satellites shall presently judge for yourselves when at last the brakes were applied and the pillars and platforms of the great terminus glided into view how welcome was the smoky glare how welcome the muffled roar of busy london a huge negro the double of the man i had overthrown opened the door of the compartment bestowing upon me a glance in which enmity and amazement were oddly blended and the woman drawing the cloak about her graceful figure stood up composedly she reached for a small leather case on the rack and her loose sleeve fell back to reveal a bare arm soft perfectly moulded of the even hue of old ivory just below the elbow a strange-looking snake bangle clasped the worn flesh the eyes dull green seemed to hold a slumbering fire a spark a spark of living light then she was gone thank heaven i muttered and felt like another dante emerging from the hades as i passed out of the station i had a fleeting glimpse of a grey figure stepping into a big car driven by a black chauffeur End of chapter 30